The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up? It's the hoop ball the first podcast. Brandon Marcus here. Corbin there. Apologies in advance for the audio quality here. I'm currently recording this one in a hotel room in Dallas, and the internet was so bad on the computer that I actually had to download Skype on my phone to get this call in. And Corbin is a warrior as well. So it's not quite the internet issues that I'm having, but Corbin battling a bronchitis. And uh, Corbin, do you think that maybe you should, you should maybe sit this one out just like LeBron maybe should have sat out the game last night? Oh, wow. Coming with the shots. <laughs> you know, I'm a soldier through. He, he didn't give his A game, but, you know, I'm here to give it mine. So we'll see what we can do here. <laughs> Good one. We're going to break down this uh, Clippers-Lakers game. A really fun Clippers-Lakers game. And it really is setting up now for a Western Conference Finals matchup that could go seven games and would be delightful for all, all LA fans and probably give a heart attack to all Clippers and Lakers fans, because that was some sort of game last night. But before we break it down, got to remember that this podcast, like all of our podcasts, brought to you by Hawaiian Isles Kona Coffee. You can follow them at High Kona Coffee. Tremendous coffee if you are a coffee drinker. Gets you hyped up on that caffeine that you need. And also, don't forget, Monday is the Bruise Letter. Aaron Brewski, our founder, does a Bruise Letter. What is it? It's a newsletter. going straight to your email, written by... Brew himself breaks down all 30 teams, gives you his Kings insights, his NBA insights. He does it all. He's a tremendous dude that knows his basketball stuff. So clearly something that you want to sign up for. But before we sign up for the Brews letter, which I've already done, you've already done, Corbin. I mean, I got to tell you, man, last night was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun as an NBA fan. It was a lot of fun as a Clippers fan. I'm sure it was fun for you despite the result. It seemed like something we haven't had here in L.A. in my lifetime. And you and I are very close in age, so I'm assuming your lifetime as well. Oh, yeah, you said it. It it hasn't been like this. It's usually one or the other, you know, clearly superior. Right now, you know, there's a team right now that's edge, but it's so nip and tuck, and it was so exciting. And honestly, for a slate of NBA Christmas games, I think this one was the standout by far. And all the hype that was built up towards it, it definitely delivered right down to the wire. You can't come up with a better Christmas game than that with all the stars. It really was impressive to see the playoff-like atmosphere for a game that was on December 25th. You had the Clippers that came out with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard for the first time against the Lakers. Remember, everybody, that the Lakers were at semi-full strength um, in the first game. Did they have Kuzma in that first game, Corbin? Uh, no, they did not. Yeah, if so I remember correctly, they had no back. Yeah, we did not. His ankle. Yeah, I didn't think so either. So Kuzma missed for the Lakers. And then for the Clippers, no Paul George. So it was the first time that we got a chance to see both teams fully healthy for the most part. And they delivered. And the key storyline, obviously, was the fact that Kawhi dominated early on. And Kuzma was just unbelievable to start. The guy was lights out. In the first game of the season, it was Danny Green. That could not miss, and he had a couple in this game. But boy, Kuzma, after all the hatred 
that I spewed. It wasn't that much hatred. But when I said last time that we recorded Corbin on Sunday that this is not a big three. It's absolutely not a big three. It's LeBron. It's AD. It's not Kuzma. And, boy, he showed up in that first half. So let's first talk about the first half before we get to the second half because the Clippers gave away the end of the first quarter and gave away the end of the second quarter and allowed the Lakers to take, I believe, it was a 12-point lead into half. Something you have to be excited about if you're a Lakers fan is Kuzma performing like that, right? Oh, most definitely. We've been waiting for it all season, and he has not delivered so far. And many people I know myself have said, hey, listen, like, you know, shape up or ship out in that kind of sense because we need that third guy or someone who can at least do a reasonable facsimile of off-the-bench scoring consistently. And that's Kuzma's one and only gift as far as uh, something that could even be I wouldn't say borderline elite. That's probably too strong a word. I'm a little woozy with the medicine now. But something that is kind of his go-to that can drive Lakers' offense for like four or five-minute stretches just on a variety of shots. And he's not been giving that to us. So the fact that he was able to pour it on, I think he had 15 points on five of seven shooting, you know, in in that first half or first quarter. It was was great to see. And it validated Kuzma fans. And it was a glimmer of hope for us Lakers fans that – we're kind of feeling a little sour on Kuzma and, and his performance as of late when he is on the game because, unfortunately, injuries happen to everyone. Yeah, injuries obviously are part of the game, and the question is how do you rebound from them? And kudos to Kuzma stepping up. He felt himself in that game, and he took advantage. He was really good. Um, Kawhi obviously was great, like we said, in the first quarter. And then the Lakers just took over. I mean, it was – a comedy of errors on the Clippers' part. They couldn't make a free throw to save their lives. They were committing dumb turnovers. Uh, the Lakers did a really nice job on Trez in the post, on the pick and roll. Whenever Lou tried to get it into Trez, they did a nice job routing him. Uh, Johan Bua was quick to point out. He thought that it was the best the Lakers, or best anybody has defended that pick and roll of Lou and Trez all season. I thought that it was good defense, but also it was Lou just being sloppy on his passes into the post. But the Lakers took advantage. It was the turnovers and the free throws that didn't help. And for the Lakers, it's something they need to continue to do is not only just rely on AD and LeBron on the offensive end, but you got to help out on the defensive end as well. And to stop Lou and Trez, who have been two of the best four players for the Clippers, says a lot that this Lakers defense has really progressed. Yeah, it really does. And that was another hopeful thing to see as far as Showing up on that because, you know, for that first game, there was a lot of excuses that could be made on the Lakers side and the Clippers side as well. And just why the Clippers didn't dominate more, why the Lakers didn't make it close, you know, for a 10 point game, more competitive down the stretch. And it was, you know, injuries and and not having a rhythm, but also the defense was a factor and it wasn't the case there. So for one, basically two solid quarters, that's some tight defense that was limiting shots. You know, Paul George had a rough night overall. Um, Kawhi was cooking, but Danny Green did an admirable job when the refs weren't screwed. I mean, anyway, when, um, you know, he wasn't picking up silly fouls. So it, it was really good to see that on their end. And another, like you said, another encouraging sign of why this is going to be such a great matchup moving forward. And then the second half happened where the Clippers came back from a double-digit deficit, and it was a tie score. Um, again, I'm, I have absolutely no internet here to process, so if I'm, I'm going straight off memory. It was a tie score after three, and I believe it was 86-86 yep. or something like that. Yep. And in the fourth quarter, it was who could execute down the stretch. And there was a doubt in some Clippers' minds that 
LeBron could just carry the, the Lakers all the way through, and they dared him to do it, and he missed one free throw when he went to the line for two. And then the last play of the game, whether you like replay or not, that was clearly off of LeBron James, and it was a silly play. It just didn't make sense that LeBron didn't take advantage of what could have been a quick bucket to try and help his team get closer. Instead, he decided to just dribble it out over on the perimeter, and Pat Beverly stopped him. And so I want to get your take, Corbin, because this is now their fourth loss in a row. And there are some legitimate concerns now about the Lakers and their half-court offense and it becoming a little bit stagnant, relying on guys like LeBron and AD and no one else. How did you see the final couple of minutes from your point of view? No, I, I agree with you completely. For one thing, you know, the Lakers often stalled completely. Um, you had players like A.B. Bradley and Rondo out in the second half that, I mean, the Clippers already know. I'm sure you remember from basketball experience that A.B. Bradley playing the Clippers or on the Clippers is not a great experience for either party. Um, so the, the Clippers are definitely cheating off him and making things tough for A.D. in the lane, in the post, making the touches hard to grab. LeBron's jump shot was not going. He was 2 for 10 from 3. He had one stretch, I think, in that third quarter. Where he hit, no, I think it was the fourth. It was the fourth quarter where he hit his only threes back to back with like a jump shot mid range sandwich in between. But all in all, his shot again for the second straight game against the Clippers just wasn't there, and he settled for a lot. I mean, it, it LeBron, you know, all time great. We can talk about that forever. But at this stage in his career, especially with as inconsistent as the shot is, when you draw Montrez Harrell or a guard on a switch, I know the defense is crazy, and you know, uh, father time comes for everyone, but. That step back three just isn't the move, especially when everyone knows that it's the move that's going to be happening. So, yeah, people can't stop it, so to speak, but they can definitely make it um, a, a, a pain of ineffectiveness as far as a shot quality. And that's what happened. I mean, in Rondo, you know, at this stage in his career, it's good to have another ball handler, especially when the Clippers are pressing and making it tough for LeBron. But his inability to shoot consistently is a problem. And when he does get the open shot, because he's aware of that perceived inability, or well, not perceived it is, he doesn't take the shot, and that doesn't help the defense either, which doesn't respect it. Um, And that, that was the problem. You're right. Crunch time offense just devolved into ISO play that wasn't effective. And, you know, especially when you're reeling from giving up easy points and sloppy turnovers and A.B. Bradley threw a pass away and then Kawhi helped up the weak side off of um ad for steal and then um basically lebron and ad got back and as he was going to the basket he passed it to zubach for the dunk and one and you know these kind of mistakes they just kept building up and the lakers are prone to that and you're right it did show you know kuzma gave the lakers a half that is amazing they need a game of that you know he definitely cooled down in the second half i think it went five for seven he ended up like six for 17 i, I gotta check the score again but um he he definitely cooled down in that second half and no other lakers stepped up and, and that's the issue. I mean, yeah, LeBron was playing hampered. AD's also playing through stuff. But you can't use that down the line as an elite team where you have to find ways to win. Um, and the fact that that last possession, which I'm sure you'll probably get to, but the way that last Laker possession devolved was ridiculous. They should never have been in that position to begin with, um, especially when Frank Vogel had two, foul, um, two timeouts to use and didn't use them. And LeBron took just, I don't know what he was thinking, taking so much time off the clock. When you know you needed three, the Clippers know you needed three, we as an audience know the Lakers needed three. So it, it just, I was beside myself as to how that final shot just kind of enveloped or unfolded. Let's talk about that final shot in just a second, but to add to what you were saying, by the way, Kuzma, 8 of 17, we're finally getting internet to work a little bit here. Oh, they, so they, but it was 101.94 was the score, and it was six and a half minutes left. I want to read to you what ensued. Kawhi, jumper. LeBron, missed a three. Paul George, hit a jumper. 
Turnover, Dwight Howard. Kawhi makes a three. Anthony Davis, dunk. Trez a tip-in after a George missed three. And then after that, it was Danny Green missing a three after he missed another one after an offensive rebound by AD. Lou Williams with a steal on Anthony Davis where Lou just came out of nowhere just following on the perimeter and just took the ball. like It was a handoff, it seemed like, right to Lou. And he went and he missed the layup, but AD crashed into him. It was a stupidness, a really badness. AD bailed him out. It was a foul. It was a dumb foul by Anthony Davis. But So he made both free throws. LeBron misses a three. George misses a three. Kuzma misses a three. And then Kawhi misses, makes a couple free throws to go up by four. And then after that, there was the AD um, hitting a shot. And then Kawhi free throws. And then, of course, LeBron hit a free throw one of two. George hits both free throws. And then Anthony Davis hit, missed. And, of course, LeBron play as well. So you can tell there that the Lakers just weren't getting good shots. And a lot of misses. And they seemed to really go away from Anthony Davis at times. LeBron was missing shots. Danny Green was missing shots. Well, the Clippers were really relying on Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. It was just a matter of who made shots at the end. In this case, the Clippers did. Now, let's go to that final play. You just broke okay. it down. You broke it down pretty good right there on your end in terms of what exactly was LeBron doing. When you're down by three, you could have easily gone and maybe gone, gone for a quick two. You had plenty of time to do that and then make the Clippers make free throws, which is something they had not done really all game. But then when you decide to take it to the right wing, right in front of the sideline, where you don't have much room to go, and you're putting yourself in a no-win situation, it didn't make a lot of sense. You brought up Frank Vogel there, which is interesting. Are you placing blame on him for not calling a timeout, or are you putting this on LeBron's shoulders? I mean, I'd like to put on both. Um, LeBron, as a, a player with a great of court awareness and just all-time basketball IQ, I think you definitely can have a brain, um, for lack of a better word, brain fart on that, and just have that clock awareness and understand, you know, what your team needs and how to get the best optimal shot. And a three with, um, you know, one of the Clippers' many great perimeter defenders draped all over you is not that shot. Just in general. Now, I think in a way, um, I do want to comment that Pat Beverly was really, really lucky in the sense that he even said himself, you know, he if it was a little bit to the left, that would have been a foul. And then we'd be talking about LeBron either making three free throws or not because he's definitely going to shooting motion. But when you have a defender as great as Beverly is, you know, he deflected. That's what happened. Now, I give that again, like I said, to LeBron because... I mean, you just ha- I, I think I think some of the onus has to be on you to know better, know the time, know what you need, and and at least try some movement. Um, I think he had passed it to KCP. KCP's passed it back. I'm trying to remember the possession exactly. Um, but that shot was not optimal. At the same time, Frank Vogel, you're the coach. You have a coaching staff. Um, and if LeBron is not there, yeah, you know, make the call. Maybe he's mad. Maybe he realizes, hey, I was about to make a big mistake, and you script a, a, a play for <coughs> excuse me for one of your better shooters to be able to get a shot and and whether it's some misdirection i don't know what play that would be but something that's set that you guys are practice and i think that this just speaks to um from a lakers fan you know because of the talent there um at the top of lebron and ad rarely does it get super super close in cases but i i mean and when it does the talent of those two are enough to win out you saw it in chicago um you saw it in other teams as well that the Utah where I mean Utah's a blowout, but other teams that they've played where at the end of the day, LeBron and AD are LeBron and AD and they are tough to guard. But when you have good to elite teams that are just on their level, 
it's hard. Um, you know, again, LeBron and AD were hampered. LeBron didn't even play. You know, he did. LeBron and AD were hampered in Milwaukee, but still, they were stymied. Um, the Clippers both times now. It seems like they cannot find any sort of offensive rhythm. And on my end, the only thing I could think of is okay, is the onus on Vogel for not having plays that the Lakers can go to to get shots, and not just simple actions designed plays to feed off of the presence of a LeBron, off of the presence of an AD to make open shots for others because the stagnant sitting around LeBron AD pick and roll or LeBron ISO from the top of the key or AD mid post ISO can only work so much. And we've already established now two games against the Clippers. It's not going to work against them. There has to be something different. And that's why I put some blame on Vogel because you'd think that there'd be some adjustments. I'm hoping that after this last game, Vogel can look back and say, okay, there's some really, some real changes I need to make here or at least institute. So we have a backup plan because this isn't going to work. And it's, it's been proven several times now. The Clippers are, Arguably the deepest team in NBA, that's fine. But regardless of the fact, you made it close, so you can pull over the top, except what happened? Late game foibles. And I think you put the onus on your leading playmaker, the guy who calls most of the shots on the team in LeBron, and you put on Vogel and the coaching staff for supposedly having the, the foresight to kind of see where these things are going and make adjustments on the fly. Forget bronchitis. Corbin coming with the heat. <laughs> I love it, my man. I love it. No. Man, no cop is stopping you from just letting go with some fire there on the bigger <laughs> team. I, I understand what you're saying, and I, I understand, and it makes sense. And this is now two games where the Clippers have beaten the Lakers, and it's something the Clippers have been used to doing of late, but not when the Lakers have been at full strength and been as good of a team. And once again, it's LeBron and AD not completely showing up late in the game. And they were great last game, the first game of the season, and disappeared in the second half. And then here you are again, where it was actually Kuzma that led the charge, while LeBron, I think, started 0 for 7 or something like that. And he couldn't make a shot. He started to show up a little bit, but he was more in the triple-double territory, of just rebounds, assists, and the normal 10-10-10 type of thing, than contributing offensively. If the Lakers are going to have LeBron not contribute as much offensively, they're going to need everyone else to chip in. It can't just be Kuzma, like you said, for a half. You have to have other people chip in. I think that's the one thing we've noticed now, Corbin, from these two games, is the Lakers just don't have enough scoring. They they have LeBron and AD. But if one of those guys is not doing something in a given game, you're in trouble if you're in the Lakers. And that's something they're going to have to address very shortly because in the playoffs, you're going to get expo- exposed if one of those guys doesn't show up. Oh, yes, and it's paper thin on the back. You're right. Like, the Lakers thought, and as a Lakers fan, I can attest to the fact that you have two um, individual offensive fulcrums pairing together, two of the top six players in the NBA, uh, currently at, at the helm of this offense that should run fluidly with shooters and defenders and, and, and like, a, a mix of the two. But here's the thing, especially with the Clippers, all of that is highlighted because you have defenders that can make things tough enough. You know, AD and LeBron are still going to get what they get, but it's going to come more inefficient, at least in LeBron's case it is. And they're going to be able to stay home and close out on players. And mind you, Kuzma, there's always one or two. Kuzma this game, Danny Green last game. That can go off, and it's great. But those are explosions. I mean, Danny Green scoring 27, that's like shades of 2013 um, NBA Finals. You know, that's not a go-to thing. And Kuzma, while it's great that he's doing that, he definitely cooled off in the second, and, and that's kind of something that you need, especially when... LeBron and AD, the only ones who can create their own offense, aside from Kuzma, consistently and at an elite level. So you're right. I mean, somewhere it has to happen. I'm not sure. I think, you know, if we're going to talk about making moves, which I think are a desperate order, 
you're not going to find an impact player, at least I don't think you will, in the bio market. I think a move has to happen between the fringes. Maybe you could take Kuzma and and, and, and something, you know, and, and attach it to get someone that can just saw in a roll, handle the ball in a pinch, make just enough scoring. I mean, ideally, that's the Drew Holiday. There's no way like you can Drew Holiday. But a player, a, a mega, mega Drew Holiday light, someone like that, that can do that for the Lakers. Because you're right, they do need it. And it, it is so, so apparent when they play the Clippers. That is not even funny. Um, it, it, it's it's very real, especially with their length, athleticism, and deepness at positions. Yeah. LeBron's 34, going to be 35. Right, exactly. And for the Clippers, the one thing that we noticed last night is that they need more rebounding. And they did not play Zoo as many minutes as I would have liked him to play. I don't know why Doc continues to play Trez really heavy minutes. So we've talked about this before. It's because of his offense, but his defense is not quite as good as Zoo's. And his rebounding is not quite as good. So I'd like to see Zoo maybe get four or five more minutes because there are a lot of offensive rebounds and putbacks that were giving the Clippers problems. And we'll see if the Clippers adjust. But b- before we talk about the future ramifications, Corbin, I, I want to make sure that we bring up one more final sponsor. And that is my bookie. Are you a gambling guy? Do, do you look at those over-unders? Do you look at those spreads? Do you, do you like to see who's the favorite, who's the underdog in each game, Corbin? You know what I do from time to time? Um, definitely not a gambling person. I gamble the Lakers to win. Gives my little brother. I lost 10 bucks, and he's seven. So, um, you know, just on that, I'm, I might need some my bookie in my life. I got to tell you, Brandon. Yeah, there you go, man. You know what's right around the corner. It's the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, you can bet on so many different things, whether it's the prop bets or it's the game itself. Man, there are so many things that you can bet on. It's a lot of fun if you go and you check out mybookie.ag mybookie.ag make your predictions a reality it is one of the most trusted in the industry if you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for whether it's the bowl games that are currently going on like USC Trojans are playing in a couple of days or maybe you want to see who wins the national championship you want to put some money on that whether you like I don't know LSU and Joe Burrow there's lots of things you could bet on mybookie is where you want to go football's not your thing don't worry you got the NBA, of course, the Premier League, fastest payouts, best promotion, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even put your put your bets together for a bigger payout. That's called a parlay, my friend. Parlay wagers, multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, Corbin, you're going to get an extra $1,000 and free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code CLIPPERS. That is the promo code CLIPPERS to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code CLIPPERS to get your extra cash from iBookie. Bet, win, and get paid. And of course, you don't want to spell CLIPPERS. C-L-I-P-P-E-R-S. It's the Hoopball Clippers promo code. Make sure you use it. It is the promo code CLIPPERS. MyBookie is where you can get your sports betting done. All right, Corbin, before we say so long, because you have got to get to bed at some point. You got to get some rest. And for <laughs> me, I, I just I need to go. This I'm hoping that this comes out okay because this is some sort of production we got going on. I got my phone charging right now on my desk. We got Skype auto uh, recording. Hopefully this works. But before we say so long, the future ramifications of a game like that is it a big deal, kind of a big deal, or no big deal from your side of things because. From my side of things, I'll give you a quick answer. I think that last night's game meant nothing. I said to you on the podcast on Sunday that if both teams were healthy, 
adding more pressure was on the Lakers because the Clippers already won a game against the Lakers. And this is just one game in what is going to be a long season. And the playoffs is really what is going to matter for you. Big deal, kind of a big deal, no big deal. I'm I'm gonna say it's kind of a deal. I'm gonna hedge a little bit because I think you said it eloquently the last time we did the pod that yes, you know the Lakers weren't healthy, so fine, you roll out as healthy as a team that you're gonna get right now. You face the Clippers, let the chips fall where they may. Well, we saw what happened. They still just don't have enough. I think that is um, just readily apparent. And so now I expect them by the time that the Lakers and Clippers match up again um, on the 28th, that well, no, nah, let's let's make it. March the 8th, let's do the last matchup after the trade deadline, that there will be some moves made to uh, to uh, uh, compensate for that weakness and match up with the Clippers better. They have to find a way, because right now, I think it'd be a very tough matchup. Like you said, seven-game series, potentially, for sure. Um, it'd be exciting, as a Lakers fan, all of that hyped. But I I think after the second matchup, I'd be hard-pressed bearing injury or you know one more throwback LBJ kind of playoff series that they would beat the Clippers over that extended period of time. The Clippers just have more, have more weapons, have more pieces, and 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 that's something that has to be considered. So I'm going to hedge, like I said, kind of say kind of a big deal. The grand scheme of things, it is what it is, but let's make some changes, guys. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see what happens with these teams over the next couple of months. And for the Lakers, I think it would make sense that if you have the chance, which you do, rest LeBron and AD, just do it. I understand that you don't want to load manage. But what matters at the end of the day is an NBA title. And Lakers fans are not going to look back at this season and say, oh, boy, we won 66 games. Oh, boy, we won 68 games. They don't care about that if you don't win a title. And that's what the Clippers are doing. They're resting Kawhi. The Lakers right now with his groin injury for LeBron after he got kneed by Pat Bev, it seems like he got set back a couple of days to where he was before that Denver game. It seems like he needs to get some rest. I'd like to see both teams at full strike. So if you're the Lakers, go ahead, rest LeBron and AD. Us Clippers fans won't get upset, even though that you came after us for this whole load managing thing. We won't get upset. <laughs> make sure that LeBron and AD are healthy for the playoffs, because it would be really fun to see a seven-game series with LeBron and AD versus Kawhi and PG. You can that's... follow him on Twitter. Go ahead. One more thing. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, that's a sign of graciousness, Brendan, and especially after that opening burn. I appreciate it. Hey, I got you, man. You can follow him on Twitter at CorbinNBA. That's C-O-R-B-A-N-N-B-A. You can follow me on Twitter at BD Marcus. It's the Hoopball Clippers podcast at Hoopball Clips. We'll be with you soon, hopefully one this weekend. And we'll get to you this weekend because I'm still going to be on the road. We'll get to you early next week. I'm Brandon. He's Corbin. Thanks for listening to another presentation of the Hoopball Clippers podcast. Have a good one, everybody. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.